Abraham is told, hey, I want to go make you into a great nation by God. An awesome promise, right? He gets this, this incredible promise from God. And as we've been journeying with Abraham for the past uh, two weeks and talking about him today, we also know at the end of this thing in Genesis 22, he has this incredible test where he is told, hey, I, I want you to sacrifice your one and only son, Isaac. And we talked about that last week. We're going to talk about that this week. But it started with this promise that Abraham was going to be a great nation. He was 75 years old. Isaac wasn't born for 25 years later. He had to wait in order for this to take place. But there were also many tests in the way. Today, as we continue our series on faith, unchained faith, and we've been talking all year long about faith and different dynamics of faith, talking about being generous, talking about waiting, talking about moving forward, talking about speaking, different aspects of faith. These past two weeks, we've talked about being tested. Like, God will test you. And one of the things in the school of faith, as you are being tested, uh, one of the things I want you to know this week is in the school of faith, tests often follow triumph. Tests often follow triumph in the school of faith. He gets this promise, and right away, in, in, he, he's told to leave in verse 1, and he says, leave your relatives, leave your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, three verses later, it says, Abram departed as the Lord instructed, as if that was just the simplest and easiest thing to do. I love how the Bible just like skips over some things sometimes. It's like, I just did it. I'm sure there was a whole lot more to that. But it says, he left as the Lord instructed and Lot. Now, I, I, I'm looking at that, and he said, leave your family, leave your father's family. So he, he didn't pass the family test. Lot went with him. And if you know, if you've read the story, we're not going to read it. Did Lot um, going with him, was that a, a helpful thing in Abraham's journey as he's going through things, or did Lot cause him uh, trouble? Lots of trouble. Okay, your, your choices as you get tested, he gave them a clear command, he got tested. Lot went with him, it caused him a lot of trouble. There are consequences for the choices that we make, yet God's going to be faithful throughout all this the entire time. Lot went with him, Abraham was 75 year, years old when he left Haran. Then, in, then it goes down in verse 12. He, he's going to the land that I will show you, but it says, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt, where he would live as a foreigner. Now we got a famine test. I'm told to leave my country, uproot and go. I've got this great promise. And now I'm struck with severe famine. I'm following you, God. What's, what's the deal? And then he goes down to Egypt. God never instructed him to go down to Egypt. Now, I'm not going to read it. I would encourage you to read it this week. Do we know, did, did uh, going down to Egypt, was that a helpful, beneficial uh, trip for, for Abraham in his journey? Or did that cause him some headaches and some drama um, as he was going down there? We, we're not, I, and I realize you're like, I don't know Abraham and Sarah, and I don't know this. That's totally fine. It caused him some headaches. He had to lie about a situation. He lied about Sarah, which, oh, by the way, his son Isaac, if you read his story, did the exact same thing 
generationally, if you don't take care of business, you're handing some of those things off to your sons and daughters, and hopefully they'll figure it out. Isaac didn't fare too well on that either. So he had the famine test. He was supposed to stay. It's better to be in famine inside of God's will than to be feasting inside of a palace outside of God's will. But it goes on. As he goes on into chapter, uh, well, I don't know which chapter it is. I lost my address in here, but Lot's with him. And they have, at this time, become so wealthy and their resources are so much, there's too much for the land, so they need to split up. And now they get kind of the financial uh, test because Abraham's with Lot and they kind of look over this region and they're like, hey, do you want this region or you want this region? This region looks amazing. This region, eh, okay. And this time, Abraham kind of passes the test because Lot looks at the region that says, this looks awesome. And Abraham's, okay, you can have it. And so Abraham takes this. Now, did that go well for Abraham? Did that, how did it go for Lot? Lot went down to Sodom and Gomorrah. That did not go well for, for, for Lot in, the, in that season. Abraham, he passed that test. He's like, okay, good. We passed the financial test. And we recognize we don't need to be greedy and store. Like, God can resource you. It's not that bad of a thing, but we, you don't need that. That's not what I called you to. Then, as he's waiting on this promise, God's still not delivering a baby. I'm supposed to have, be a blessing to all nations. I'm going to be this great nation, birth of nation, this great promise that you gave me in chapter 12. I'm super old, and we're waiting 10 years, and nothing's happened. Imagine waiting. Waiting and waiting for 10 years and nothing happening. So they do like what most of us would do. When God's not taking care of business, we will take matters into our own hands. I don't like the way God's doing it. I think I can handle it better. So then he ends up, uh, Sarah and Abraham say, hey, we have uh, a servant named Hagar. Why don't you sleep with her? Because maybe she's the one who you're supposed to have the child with since Sarah can't get pregnant. And, and so they have a child, Ishmael, with Hagar. He, he, he fails the future test on trusting God. Did that go well for, for Abraham um, in his choice, or did that not serve him very well? It did not go well, okay? Uh, Ishmael was not the chosen one. God's like, I, I, I'm going to bless Ishmael, but that's not the one. And quite honestly, um, uh, the Islam, I'm not here to do world religion right here today, but they trace their lineage to Ishmael. Christianity traces its lineage and the promise um, to Isaac. And, there is, and they have been in tension ever since. To this day, there has been tension between these, these, these two lineages. The promise was not through Ishmael, it was through Isaac. And that ended up, your, your decisions can have consequences for generations on. Then there's one that's in chapter 17. I just started to drop all these F words here. Uh, I got to be careful which F words I, I use, and um, I'm joking with that. But uh, foreskin, because in chapter 17, Jesus, uh, uh, God says, Abraham, to show that you are my people, um, you are going to circumcise yourself at the age of, I think, 75 or 85 or 90 years old, and you and all your household. And it's one of those where it's like, and that day, he did it. And I'm like, there's a lot of questions. That one might be the hardest test that I can think of. 
<laughs> are you sure you got this right? And everyone just goes along with it. I, I'm, 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 I'm not sure. He passes that test. Um, and then we get to Isaac in chapter 22. Isaac is finally born. He's finally born. And then in Genesis chapter 2, it says, God says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. This is, this is wild and crazy test. I bring all these up to show you that in, throughout Abraham's life, he had all of these tests while he's still waiting on the promises of God. Some of them he passed, some of them he failed. You and I are hit with tests in, in, all the time. Some of them bigger, some of them seemingly not so big. Some we pass, some we fail. And Abraham, we get a glimpse of some of these things where he's going through these tests, and some of them went. Now, for many of us, uh, we would say, I would rather take trophies instead of trials. I want, I want awards, uh, don't give me trials. And so just, you can shout out to me, growing up, what were, what were some of the coolest trophies or contests that you won growing up? Any, anything, anything fun or cool? You won a, a championship or a district or a science bowl or something? Anybody, you can go ahead and shout it out. Wrestling? Wrestling winner? Yes, all right. State Fair Pig Show, all right, can anybody beat that? We got a pig show winner here. Come on now. You guys are leaving me hanging. Play against them? Against the Philippines national soccer team in high school? Wow, fantastic. Oh, and you tied them. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. Well, I'm going to go into my high school roots and sports days as well. Um, we won the district uh, uh, championship for my high school football team on my junior year. And what made it so cool was the year before we were like, uh, we went two and eight, then we went three and seven, then we went eight and two, and we just like had this total reversal. Uh, same guys playing, but just totally different mindset. And that year taught me so much when it comes to adversity and trial. But I will never forget, it was in the championship game. We were playing our conference rivals. There's a picture of me. Look at me. Those shoulder pads are bigger than I am. I don't even know um, how I could even run in those things. Um, but as we're playing in that game, very close contest. We're up by, by six points, uh, and it's half, going into halftime. They got one. It's like 10 seconds left on the, the scoreboard. There's one play left. They're going to throw a Hail Mary, but we're fine. I'm at cornerback. And for some reason, as a cornerback, and I'm a junior in high school, I don't know what I'm, I, I don't know that you're supposed to go all the way back. And I even look at my coaches, they're like saying, break, break, back up, back up. And I'm just playing man defense against my man way too close than you ever should be, especially in that situation. And so they hike the ball. I'm running with my guy, and I'm, I'm, I'm on him, I cover him. And in fact, when they teach you as a cornerback who's defending against the pass, don't, don't necessarily watch for the ball. At first, kind of watch the eyes of the offensive players because it's just natural. If his eyes light up, that means the ball's coming. Then you can kind of turn and look. So he, I'm running with him. I'm looking at him. I watch, and his eyes light up. And I'm like, oh, crap, ball's coming. So I come, and I turn, and I don't see the ball. And, and as, I, as I don't see the ball, I hear this crowd just erupt and roaring. Woo-hoo! 
And he catches the ball and runs about 40 yards into the end zone. Halftime whistle goes off. We go into halftime. They're up uh, 14-13. And all the momentum had swung. I'm in the locker room devastated. I'm a junior. I'm crying. Eh, you know, I've blown it all. Guys are kind of giving me looks. They don't know what to say. And I hear this break, break in the office. And it's the coaches. All the coaches are, are, are in there. And they're like, come in. And so I come in there, and I'm like, yes, sir. And they're looking at me, and they said, forget it. We need you. Get your head up. It's one play. We've got this. We need you in this second half. We need you to forget it, move on, and let's go. So I don't really remember what happened in the second half, but that was a turning point in, for me in that game, but also a turning point for me in life. To say no matter what trials you are facing in life, it happened. It happened. There was no one else to blame. It was on me. You could see it. And I could sit there and squander the rest of the game having a pity party and sulking, or I could say, I got an assignment to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to leverage that and do what I can. I didn't have any other plays, but our team did come back and we won the game. And I remember the coaches afterward. I didn't have anything spectacular. I didn't score the game-winning touchdown. I just did my part. I did my role on the team. I did the thing. And I said, way to go, because we need you in this. And I feel like that's something that God wanted me to tell you today as we look through these things. Abraham, Abraham, you're going through all this stuff, ups and downs and roller coasters. And God, what are you doing? God, where are you in my life? I don't understand. And as we cry out those same things, and we're going up and down. And God, where are you? I don't understand why and where. And he's just saying, stick with it. Follow me. Trust me, I need you. I got a plan. I got a purpose. Don't give up now. Keep going. Keep going. Some of you who are new to faith, some of you who are new to the Christian faith, you're excited and you, and you want to jump in and you want to pour in, but God's, God's he's going to test you. You're like, ah, I kind of want to give. I want, I, want to, I want to start being generous. We talked about a generous faith a couple of weeks ago. And you're like, I want to give. But then tires blow out. And you're going to get tested because like, I want to give, but I don't know if I can. And there's going to be tests that come our way. For many of us, we don't have a famine test in Los Alamos. We're not, you know, a famine struck the land and he had to go down to Egypt. But many of us, we are in a famine for relationships in Los Alamos. We are starving and we feel alone. And there's tests that God are placing in you right now to say, don't leave. Because a lot of us, our first thought is to leave. But wherever you go, there you are. And maybe God can call you to leave. That's fine. I think for everybody in this room, it's safe to say God's not calling you to leave Los Alamos. He's telling you to stay right here. Um, so don't leave. But anyway, um, because I know you guys are thinking about it. You're going to have to figure out relationships at another place. And whatever's next, chasing whatever's next, the next job, that will fix it. The next location, that will fix it. You want to be in the will of God wherever you're at. Because I've known plenty of people who have left Los Alamos and have regretted it. You, you want to be in the will. Am I, if you're supposed to leave, leave. Please do. But if you're not, you're not supposed to go. It's a test to say, hey, let's figure out relationships here. And I would say, if you can figure out relationships here, you can figure out relationships anywhere, amen? It is the, we are in a famine of relationships, and it's going to take steps on your part 
to overcome those tests instead of run sometimes. You don't want to forget that you have an assignment on this mountain. And I'll repeat, as my coaches said to me, we need you. We need you in this season. We need you building relationships and developing culture, not only for you, but collectively as a whole. We need you saying, come sit with me. Come over. Let's build these relationships. Tests are often follow triumph. Something great will happen, and then boom, here comes a test. But tests are often also meant to help us to know God more in the school of faith. We said this last week, that tests are meant to grow you, but tests are also to help you know God. In Genesis chapter 12, 1, let's start with that one, Robert. It says, go from your country to your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. The land I will show you, that show you part, is the Hebrew word ra'ah, ra'ah. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 22, where he makes this uh, test of, of Abraham to sacrifice his son, which sounds so crazy, right? So crazy. But notice the similarities in this call. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there on, as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Whoa, 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 whoa. God's, God's making an extremely difficult request here, no doubt. But he's not just blindsiding Abraham with nothing. He has journeyed with him for 25 years now banking on this promise back in Genesis chapter 12. Now, this word, this region of Moriah, Moriah is derived from the Hebrew word ra'ah. So, he's making some connections here. Even though Abraham doesn't necessarily understand it, he knows without a doubt God's not mincing words here, and there's a connection between the two. Ra'ah means provision. I will provide. It, it, in a way, it's kind of like, I will see to it. Go to the place that I'm, I'm going to see to it that it happens. So there's already hints, even though he doesn't understand exactly what's going on here, that God is providing and making some plan for redemption, some sort of provision, some sort of salvation is going to take place on this hill. Moriah just out of, for those who like history and geography, as I was learning this week, I thought it was fascinating. This is the exact place where Solomon was told to build his temple. He will build it on Mount Moriah, which is Jerusalem today, which is that place right now. Today is where the Dome of the Rock is. That's Mount Moriah. All right, so a lot is transpiring right there on this mountain throughout this time. And this is the starting place. This is where, now Abraham doesn't know this, but this is where we see things uh, playing out. In another way, I kind of translate it like this. I want to put this up there for you. He's saying, Abraham, I'm testing your obedience and allegiance. You don't, you don't understand, but in light of all I've done and said to you, trust me, not even death can nullify the promise that I've made. So not an easy request, but he's making it very clear to Abraham what I'm asking you to do, I'm going to provide and take, take care of this. 
So Abraham still has to go on faith, but it's not just like, hey, Abraham, go, go sacrifice your son, go murder your son and see what, I, what happens. No, he's, he's guiding him with some very uh, exact words here. Now, for us, it says not even death can nullify. Here's the problem. You and I, we don't even want to go near death in our tests. In the tests you and I face, not only do we not want to go near death, we don't even want to go near discomfort. (laughs) So we don't want anything to do with this sort of stuff. We will run from discomfort. Many of us would say, this is where I kind of, I'm sorry, I kind of want to, I want to get to this point here. We would say, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I want to grow in my relationship with God. I want to be a leader in his kingdom. I want to do great things for God. But many of us don't want anything to do with discomfort or trials or any situation that would put us in a place where we need God to come through. We will get to the Red Sea where God just delivered us, see that we have this obstacle in our way, see the Egyptians coming right for us, and freak out. We don't want the Red Sea moments. We will run from the Red Sea. We avoid situations where God can show off and do His thing. So that's why we said last week, it is a, it is a place, your test and your trial is a place where you can grow. And we said last week, we want you to lean in instead of run away. Lean in so you can grow and build your faith. That's where faith happens is in the valley but also so that you can know God a little bit more and see Him more clearly. Lean in, don't give up, don't run away. Although in no means is any of this comfortable. In no means is any of this like, oh, I love this type of trial. I love being punished. I love being wounded. No, but at the same time, there's something more on the horizon to get to know God. Abraham even says in Genesis chapter 2, he believes there's a resurrection. He says, we will worship on Mount Moriah. And he tells his, his people who are traveling with him, he says, then we will come right back. So he doesn't know how, but he anticipates resurrection. And, he, and Jesus even verifies this. Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. So he, he saw, he knew he had ra'ah, God will see to it. I see that God's going to do something here. Not even death is going to stop what God wants to do through me and my son. I'm believing in a resurrection here. Hebrews chapter 11 also speaks to this. It says, by faith, Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had, deceived, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, um, Isaac, the son in whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. And, and I tried to explain that in the text in Genesis that Abraham could see that very clearly, that somehow he was going to come back to life. He didn't know how, but he was trusting God that that's what God was saying. It is sometimes my belief in our hardest moments in life, 
in the trials that you and I face, in our darkest moments in our lives, God will allow those times not to punish us, but in many ways to drive us to our knees. To see him a little bit more clearly. To say, God, I I need you. I need you. I can't do this. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. I need your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace. If I try to do these things on my own and handle it on my own, I am suffering. And in many times, it comes down to this is making me see him more. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And again, I don't want death. I don't even want discomfort. Even in the valley of discomfort. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Our trials are so hard because many of us, this is the tricky part, in the middle of your trial, it comes down to trust. And then trust can make or break your relationship with God in a sense, not your salvation. Sometimes we can be right in the middle of a trial and say, God's nowhere near this. I don't even see him. I don't know where he is. I want nothing to be a part of him. And it just drives us away from him. But many of us who lean in and don't understand where or why or how, they lean in and they say, God was right there with me all along. He's now here. This is the, even though this is my darkest moment, this is the most real I've ever felt God's presence in my life in the middle of these trials. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they are, you are present with me and you comfort me. In the school of faith, one of the questions on the final exam will be, do you trust them? I don't care which story we read in scripture, whoever we read, it ultimately all comes down to trust. Did these people trust God and his promises and what he asked them to do? Or did they not? For you and I, it ultimately comes down to, do you trust God with whatever it is that he's calling you to do? Some of you, you know right now, you know like God placed someone on your heart in this moment, like, oh my gosh, he wants me to invite so-and-so, so-and-so. Do you trust them? Well, they might say no. Well, they might reject me. Well, they might, they might, eh, eh, eh. Do we trust? For some of you, it's, it's baptism. God, your next step is, it isn't about inviting someone. It's like, you need to say you're on team Jesus and let's get, let's make that public and get, let's get baptized. Like celebrate that stuff. And, and I don't know what people think. And I got to get, this is what I hear a lot. I hear this a lot. I believe in Jesus, but I got to get like some things in order in my life. I got to, I got to get cleaned up. We're going to go through, we're going to kind of take a break on this faith series. And for the next four weeks into Easter, we're going to talk about messy faith, messy people. I mean, messed up people. And God still uses them and loves them in miraculous ways, in mighty ways. You don't got to get cleaned up. Do you trust them? 
I know it's scary. I know it's painful. I know it's hard. Abraham, but do you trust him? Tests? <laughs> I hate them. You hate them. We hate them. Because ultimately, do I trust you comes down to this word surrender and control. I'm giving up complete control to you. I surrender to you. If I trust you, I'm going to obey you, which means I'm just surrendering everything I want, and I'm going to follow you, trusting that even though I don't know how or see it or understand it, Ra'ah, you're going to see to it. You're going to figure it out in the land of Moriah. Some of you are in conflict right now and in trial, and I want you to lean in and, and, and seek Jesus. I, I think about Jesus in this moment as we close out. He's going to the cross. And before he goes to the cross, he goes to the garden, and he's so stressed out. Like I said, in your worst moments, it drives you to your knees. And it says that he gets down and he, he prays in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, I don't want to go through this. He prays it three times. He's like, I don't want to go through this trial. I don't want, if there's any other way, I don't want to go, go through it. And yet he says, not my will, but your will be done. And then comes walking in Judas, the, the betrayer, but he, he was a friend. He had been with them, a treasurer for years, been with them and with Jesus, and here he is going to betray him. Many of us would look at Judas and see he's, he's an enemy. He's evil. Yet in that moment, Jesus, in that conflict that many of us would want to run from or defend from, and Jesus even does want to run from, he knows, he knows he has an assignment. He knows what he's there for. He needs to die. He has to figure, he's got to die. And God can take anything that is evil, that was meant for evil, a messenger. But God has the contents of the message to say, I'm going to turn it into good. I, Judas is an enemy, but God needs an employee to kind of work for him today. I, I got to be betrayed. I need to die. And we can't have a resurrection without a death. I got to go through these things. Never fun in the moment, but I'm telling you, it's in those trials and in those temptations and through those steps of faith that God has something better for you on the other side. And I'll go back to what my coaches said. We need you. Some of you are on the verge of slipping out and giving up and walking away. And I'm going to say we need you in this season to not give up and not walk away. And not only do we in this room need you, but this world needs you. They want to see you take those steps of faith and come out on the other side and say, it can be done. I can take that next step. I do have hope. We need you. In the school of faith, I got some more F words for you. You have a father. He is faithful. He will forgive you. And he has plans for your future. Far better than you could ever think or imagine. And I don't know what you're going through right now. But if you turn to him, your heavenly father will welcome you with arms wide open. Therefore, let's stand as we close out.
It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, since we are surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Anything that's holding you back, strip it down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. This is a race of endurance. The race that God has set before us, the, the race that God has set before you. How do you do it? We do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You can endure the trial you're going through because the victory is already won. You have a Savior who conquered death and gave you the victory. I want to I give you hope and encouragement today to take that next step. Don't give up. Lean in, grow, and get to know God a little bit more. Let's pray. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.